you turn to your neighbor and tell him, Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday to you. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Jim's here. He's alive. Happy Sunday, Bertie. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 2. And as always, if you arrived here today without a Bible, we'd like for you to follow along. And there should be one in front of you underneath the seat. But if there isn't, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand as the ushers are looking for raised hands. We had our first feeding at Mercy House this past Wednesday, and it went really well. And so it was just a blessing. Mercy House was impressed with how many people showed up to partake of the ministry, and so that was really good. Uh, A couple of people have asked me, what happened to Mrs. Pastor Mike? She wasn't here last Sunday, and she's not here this Sunday. Don't worry about it. She burnt my dinner a couple weeks ago. She's out. No, she, she went on a little uh, get-together with her daughters, with our daughters, uh, last Saturday. And then this Saturday, my daughter and her husband are on their couple's retreat. And so my wife is down there watching the kids. She'll be back here tonight. So if you want to see Mrs. Pastor, everybody likes her better than they like me. But anyway, that's what's going on with that. We're still married. Go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. 2 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 1. He had just talked about prophets in the previous chapter, starting into verse 1. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction." And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. Lord, as we enter into this section of Scripture, I pray, Lord, that we would see the realities of false teaching, that which can look so good on the outside, but Lord, when compared with Scripture, is anything but. And so, Father, I pray that you would show us, Lord, that the things that are necessary that we would see and be able to recognize a wolf that is in a sheep's clothing. And so just prepare us for these things, God, through your word, through your truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Just looking back at chapter 1 and leading back up to chapter 2, and verses 12 through 15 in chapter 1, we saw men die But the Word of God, it endures. In verses 16 through 18, experiences of life, they fade, but the Word of God, it continues on. Verse 19, times will become more and more evil, and they are, but the Word of God stays constant. But we, in the midst of that, as God's people, we can remain in peace in all of that because we have, as described previously, the more sure prophetic Word of God. Now, when I say prophetic, I'm not speaking so much of the future, you know, and and what's going to happen, or even end-time theology, although that is all part of it, but the prophetic word, I have the more sure word of God that has been spoken to me. We just sang about the power of God. Well, this is the power of God, not only to save souls, but also to enable us in the midst of trying times, even the times that we live today. When it says more sure, that means dependable or stable. The Word of God is more dependable and stable than people, experience, or times. What Peter is doing here, what we saw in chapter 1, he's doing exactly what the Lord had commanded him to do. He was feeding the sheep. He was giving us proper biblical doctrine, all based upon the Word of God. Now, secondly, as we enter into chapter 2, we can see the subject is going to be false teachers, really, throughout this chapter. He's going to be tending the sheep. To tend the sheep, it means to protect them, to guide them, and to help them. Peter cannot always be in the presence of those whom he has ministered to and the churches that he has planted, but in these epistles, he is warning them to be aware. So Peter 
feeds the sheep, and now he is tending the sheep. We see in John chapter 21, that's the exact things that the Lord commanded him to do. So he's not just feeding them, because feeding them will just fatten them up for the kill. It's the job of a pastor to properly feed the flock, but also to tend them, because there are those who will fleece the flock. And we live in those times today, just as they did back then. It's very interesting, as the epistles, Timothy's, and so on, were, were written and doctrine was going through. We even see it in the book of Acts right away. False teaching went out just as quickly as the truth of God's word. And so that's always been something that man needs to confront, to recognize, and to understand. So what's the problem here? Well, just because a doctor is a doctor doesn't mean if he really cares if you get well. Maybe he's just in it for the money or the prestige. Just because a police officer is a police officer doesn't mean that he keeps the law. Just because a politician is a politician doesn't mean that he rightly represents your interest. And just because a man is called a pastor does not mean that he is telling you the truth. Are we to judge others? Well, Paul welcomed the judgment that others brought into his life. Maybe I should say the scrutinization of his ministry. Anybody who teaches the truth would welcome the scrutinization of their ministry. It's an opportunity to stand on the truth. It's an opportunity to preach the word. That's kind of one of the things that it's been in the bulletin. And not many people have turned in questions, but I enjoy questions. Why? Because it sharpens me. It causes me to revisit these things that as these are things that you have been wondering about or questions that you have, I want to give you the right answer and I want to validate that I've got the right answers. Well, Paul in his ministry, we see in Acts chapter 17 verses 11 through 12, speaking of those who were at Thessalonica, these were more fair-minded, actually those in Berea, those, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believe and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. So Paul was preaching the gospel and what did they do? They went and they opened up the Old Testament. And they opened up the Old Testament to see if Christ was truly the fulfillment of the Old Testament to make sure that Paul wasn't making something up if he wasn't somebody who was a false teacher. And as they came to the reality of the truth, of this true teacher, people got right with God. But when we come to the reality of the truth of false teachers, we're able to shun them. We're able to set them aside. We're able to confront them. But we're, more importantly, able to keep them from infecting the body of Christ. I guarantee you today... It's interesting on the internet, but for so long on TV. TV, I don't know if it still is, but the main means of media, it was overrun by false teachings. There are good teachers on there without a doubt, but the vast majority of them are people who teach falsely. I guarantee you, if you go home and turn it on and listen to most religious shows, a lot is going to sound very good, but very little is going to sound like your Bible. They're there, they're tickling ears, they're self-help. They're there to make you feel good so that when you leave that place, you do just that. I don't care if you leave here feeling good today. I pray that you'll leave good feeling about Jesus, though. Because, see, sometimes there's the necessity of tearing down before we're able to build up. I had to come to the realization that I was a sinner. That which I spend the majority of my life trying to ignore or set aside, but when confronted with the gospel, wasn't feeling really good about myself. But then I was shown the solution as well, and the solution was Jesus Christ, and it's that which brought joy to my life. Are you a mature believer? Well, we're told in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, the essence of what maturity is in Christianity. Paul was actually, well, we don't know if it was Paul. The writer of Hebrews was actually rebuking the readers in verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. He's saying, you guys have sat under the word for long enough. You ought to be able to teach and to instruct others. But he says, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles or the words of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. 
But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use, who have used the word, who have done the word, have their senses exercised to what? To discern both good and evil. You're not going to be deceived by a false teacher as you're doing God's word, as you're involved and immersed in God's word. But there's somebody standing behind a pulpit just because he has a large crowd or is a good speaker or good-looking or whatever it is, however it is that we define a good teacher apart from the Bible this day. But really what you are to evaluate him upon is upon the things that he says. I remember I was, we were at our other property, so it was quite a long time ago, about 16 years ago, and I was speaking on, um, on uh, one of the TV stations and some of the false teaching that was going on there. And she confronted me afterwards, and she said, at least the name of Jesus is going out. I mean, she was not happy about what I had to say about those people. Well, that was her last day at our church, I didn't tell her to go away, but she did. She was very unhappy. But to use Jesus' name and then to pervert his word is blasphemy. And so just because the name of Jesus goes out, it means nothing if you are perverting the word of God. If you're teaching falsely and using the name of Jesus, it's blasphemy in the sight of God. It's the essence of every cult that is out there. They all have their different Jesus. What does God say about this matter? He's very direct in Psalm 38, verse 2. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name. For your loving kindness and your truth, for you have magnified your word above all your name. Above and beyond all, God wants to be known for his word and the truthfulness of his word because it's his word that defines who he is. In actuality, it's the word of God that defines the name of God. The name of God is the nature, divine, and the essence, pure, of who God is. And the only way we know that, and this is God-ordained, is through his word. So if you defile his word, even though the name is going out, you're doing nothing for the kingdom of God. Now, understand how the devil works in relation to how God works. The devil... The devil is the deceiver. It's what the word devil literally means. We're told in Scripture he is the great imitator, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He deceived Eve in the garden by just changing God's word just a little bit, Genesis chapter 3. He has false Christians, Matthew 13 and John 8, a false gospel, Galatians chapter 1, and even a false righteousness, Romans chapters 9 and 10. And one day he will present the world a false Christ, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He is the deceiver. He takes the truth and the reality of who God is and what God has said, and he just manipulates it just a little bit. And it may sound good. It may even sound better, but it's that which leads to destruction. What do I mean by destruction? Well, for the Christian who is deceived, it brings you into a life that is not blessed by God. And for the unbeliever, how can he possibly come to salvation through something that is not based upon the truth? And so this is the damage that the deceiver does in the body of Christ. We're not prepared for every good work. Because the only thing that we have, the only thing that any true church has, is what God has given us. And God has given us his word. And so we need to stay rooted and grounded in his word so that we would not be deceived. What is the only real protection that the flock has? Well, in Acts chapter 20, we see the ministry of the apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 20, verse 26 through 32, Paul says, this is when he was saying goodbye to the Ephesians elders. He would never see them again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. I'm not responsible in, in this particular context of the spiritual lives of you people who are in these cities and who stand before me. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And so he understood his responsibility. And he understood if he taught falsely, that before God, he was going to be held accountable for that. But because Paul taught truthfully, he had a confidence in that. And he's basically saying, 
the responsibility is yours now. I have taught you the truth. Verse 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from amongst yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Now think of that statement, from amongst yourselves. He's talking to the elders of the church in the area of Ephesus, or or really Asia Minor. And he's saying, from you guys, from you elders, from you people who've been taught properly, wolves are going to rise up. Who are wolves? Wolves are those who devour sheep. Verse 30, also from amongst yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things. That's how they devour, by speaking lies to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance amongst all those who are sanctified. And so this broke Paul's heart as he was looking at these elders, these leaders in the church, knowing that one day they will rise up and they will lead the body of Christ, or some in the body of Christ, astray. Back in Second Peter, just in way of remembrance, in verses 20 through 21 of chapter 1, no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So this is the truth, but the antithesis of it is true as well. Look at the opposite of what Peter just said. False teaching is of private interpretation, and they will even say it's of divine revelation, but we know it's anything but divine. For false teaching never came by holy men of God, but false teachers spoke as they were moved by the desires of their flesh. And again, that's the essence of false teaching. It does not point man to God, it points man to somebody else, usually the person who's up there teaching falsely. So because of the prominence, but the importance as well of false teaching within the body of Christ, we're going to be looking at three things. I have here in my notes, we'll be looking at three things today, but we're only going to get to one today. But we'll be looking at three things over the next couple of weeks in verses 1 through 9. And the first thing that we're going to be looking at, the one we'll be looking at today, is false teachers define. So these are false teachers who willfully teach falsely, who willfully teach in direct contrast to the truth of God. See, an ignorant teacher can be taught and brought into line and have a productive ministry. If somebody is ignorant of the Word of God, we just simply need to see our responsibility in teaching that person the right ways. In Acts chapter 18, there was a man, Apollos. He, he had the, the, the Old Testament, and he was teaching from the Old Testament, and he was teaching the ministry of John the Baptist, repentance for the forgiveness of sins, but he didn't really know a whole lot more than that. And Aquilus and a, Priscilla and Aquila, they took him aside, and, and they taught him more of the, of the gospel so that he would have a full understanding. Now, this was a man with a genuine heart, but he was just ignorant of some of the things of the Lord. But aren't we all in that same boat to some degree? We're all ignorant. There's nobody has perfect understanding of God and the word of God. It's a lifetime act. It's a lifetime process of studying and learning the word of God so that we're able to give it. And even good people sometimes will fail. They'll fail because there's not a one of us who's perfect. Look at Peter. In Galatians chapter 2 verses 11 through 16, Paul said, I had to confront Peter. He's basically saying, I had to get in his face. He, he was causing people to stumble because he was kind of going back to Jewish ways that were contrary to the word of God. And, and he, he needed to be set back on the right course. It's not that Peter so much turned into a false teacher. He didn't. But again, he's an imperfect person. And so in our ministries, we have to recognize that. We have to recognize to the degree that we're able to What is the genuineness of this person's heart? What is the motives of this person? Is this person just off a little bit that needs to get nudged back in the right direction? Or does this person have motives that are self-centered and are contrary to God? 
Now again, those who are false teachers, they may look really good. Really, they may look traditional, they may look religious, they may look and, you know, you just completely go down the list. But the bottom line is, what is their motives? A false teacher is one who knows the truth and has rejected it. You've heard of the word heresies or heretic. It literally means a follower of one's own party or sect. This would, a heretic is somebody who has defined his religious beliefs contrary to the word of God and is going in that direction trying to draw people, trying to draw followers. A heretic causes parties to form within a church and then breaks them off. Somebody who comes into the body of Christ, and this is why the illustration of wolves in sheep clothing, hey, this guy, Harry's come into the church, and this guy, he, he seems to... He seems to be pretty smart. We had a guy, I don't remember his name, Ray. You, the majority of you won't know him. He's not the Ray who, uh, Ray and Maddie, I'm not talking about him, just so you know that. But this guy, this was quite a long time ago. We weren't at this property yet. And uh, he came in, and I noticed he was always talking to some immature people. And he was always kind of bringing them off to the side. And I warned the church. I didn't know what he was saying, but there was just something in my spirit. And I asked him, and he says, yeah, well, he's he's a great teacher. Have you ever heard him teach? No, but he said he's a great teacher. And uh, he he taught a Bible college class at Rawls Church and da-da-da-da. And so I called Rawls Church, and they never heard of him. And so I I spoke. um, I don't remember what I was teaching. And I said, and we even get people that come into the church and they'll draw people into themselves and they usually say, well, this is what Pastor Mike teaches, but this is what I believe. And I had two people right after that service come up to me. That's exactly what that guy said. And so we brought him into our office and we basically rebuked him, had a talk with him, and that was, I didn't kick him out of the church, but that was the last time that I, I saw him. Why? Because the sheep clothing had come off and he understood that he was recognized by the wolf that he is. He was starting a Bible study in his home and he started gathering people together to break them off from the church to start his own thing. And we have to be well aware of those things because every time I've seen this happen, it's led to destruction. Why? Because it's based upon deception. If anybody here wants to start a Bible study, come and see me. I'm all for that. I'm good with people starting Bible studies and all, but don't start uh, inviting people from the body of Christ that are here. There's millions of unsaved people out there. There's billions of unsaved people. Go forth and make disciples. But when they start coming in and trying to evangelize the body of Christ, so to speak, really the vast majority of them are trying to lead people away from the body of Christ and according to this particular person, whoever it is, according to their ways. Verse 1, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. This is to secretly bring in alongside. Again, as I said before, pastor, pastor, this is what he teaches, and you know, he's right here, but this is what I believe, and this is what I teach, and again, they're just leading them in a different direction. Those who are false teachers will seem like the greatest people in the world, but then the doctrines of them will sooner or later be revealed, and when their doctrines are revealed, it'll be that which leads to destruction, and when I say destruction, I just mean damage to the sheep. A sheep that has been left out by himself and is vulnerable. A sheep that has been taken away from the body of Christ. Because again, if this is the true body of Christ, this is where your needs are met. This is where your need, obviously the most important for the teaching of the word of God. This is where your need for fellowship needs to be met. This is where your need, your physical needs need to be met. We've never had a member of our church, a member of this body of Christ, to go without. We've always been able to provide for people, and it's been a blessing. And it's neat to see it in the hearts of those who, who have partaken of it. Um, it was on the prayer request this past week. We prayed for it um, this, uh, this past Thursday. But our sister, Ann Lett, has gone to be with the Lord. She had 
um, Alzheimer's and it just ravished her and she passed away at the beginning. I think it was like Wednesday, I don't remember if it was Wednesday or Tuesday, I believe it was Wednesday night. They had moved to Arizona and I was thinking, well, when they have the f- service, I'll go back there. If they want me to do it, I'll do it. But if not, I'm just going to go back there anyway. Well, they've decided to come out here. She's going to be cremated, and we're going to have a service for Anne here. Now, a lot of you may not know Anne, but Anne's been going to our church for probably about 16, 18 years. I'm not real sure, but quite a long time. If you have kids, even if you have adult kids, I think Sean was mentioning this, all of his kids have gone through her hands. She used to serve in the nursery. And she used to serve in hospitality. A lot of the donuts in this church have gone through her hands as well. And then she came just about, I don't know, probably for quite a long time. I mean, definitely quite a long time. But for for years, she would come during the week and clean the church. And she was just a just a blessing. And it was just so neat. And, and you think, well, what did she get? I don't know what she got, but I know what I got from being part of the body of Christ and seeing somebody who has such faith as she had and such dedication to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it strengthened my walk with the Lord. And it was just an amazing thing to see. Because of their finances and all, they had to go live with a family member in Arizona, and that's why she was there. But I just see the body of Christ. And if you're part of this church, you're part of that. You're part of that ministry. If you give at this church, you're part of that ministry. If you attend that church, just your being here ministers. And again, it's a great thing. I, sometimes I get out of here on a Sunday morning late or even on the evening services. But when I walk out those doors, just to see people fellowshipping and just the blessing that that is. See, that's all because sheep are feeding on that which ministers to them or nourishes them. And healthy sheep beget healthy sheep. And again, that's what God's, God's desire for the body of Christ is, is basically righteousness repeated. False teachers... False teachers are always teaching from the negative and not the positive. Chapter 2, verse 1, even denying the Lord who bought them. The earmark of their so-called ministries are not what they believe, but usually in what they don't believe. They'll tell you that the Bible, or at least deceive you, that the Bible is not the inspired word of God, that there's something necessary or somebody necessary for you to understand the word of God. God will meet you wherever you are at. If you become born again today, I guarantee you we're going to encourage you to take your Bible and start reading. Well, I don't understand it. Well, if you sit down and you with an open heart ask God to give you understanding, God will give you understanding. Now, he will do that by bringing people into your life as well, but you need nobody else in order to know the truth of God. God will reveal this to you. There's no other books that are necessary, although other books can help. But when somebody starts saying that this particular man or this particular book is essential for you to know God, then there's an issue with that. Jesus' death, salvation by faith, the existence of hell, I've seen all of these done damage to by false teachers. They've denied these things, and as they've denied these things, they have hurt people. Why? Because they have the desire to draw draw crowds. Think of the times that we live in. We live in a day of entertainment. And our entertainment, it just stirs our senses as our senses have never been stirred before. Take somebody from the beginning of the 1800s and set them in an IMAX theater. It'll just blow their minds. Set them in your living room with an iBox or an Xbox or Alphabet Box, whatever they're called, and they'll just be amazed. And now we've got these things, you know, that you can put on your head and um, virtual reality things and, and all of this. And it's just these senses are just bam. And I remember one day I was kind of, one of my kids was acting up in school because that's what kids do. That's what my kids did. That's what I did. <laughs> and, uh, and the teacher wanted to talk to us. We talked, and then my wife and I are just kind of evaluating, and we realized, you know what? We sit them in the morning because we're busy, and we feed them full of chocolate-covered sugar bombs. And 
they're so used to watching, you know, the television and, you know, things as it was at least even back then, which aren't anything close to what it is today. And then we send them to school and I want you to sit there and be very quiet and to listen to Mrs. Atkinson. Well, he hasn't been taught that in any aspect of his life. Well, take that into the body of Christ, looking for something that's going to stir our senses. And that's what you see a lot of the churches today with the smoke and the light effects and all of that. But the bottom line is, I mean, if, if a church is the greatest church in the world because of their sound system or their smoke effects or even their worship team, then something's missing. It's got to be based upon God's Word because it's God's Word that changes lives and alters people's eternity. Now, those things can be used. I'm not saying that they're bad just because of that, but it always boils down to the Word of God. This is spoken of in the Word of God in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-5. through 5. Note how this relates to our times today. He says, Paul says to Timothy, But know this, in the last days perilous times will come. We're living in the last days. I don't know when Christ is coming back, but I know that every day we're getting closer. Paul thought it was going to be during his day. I believe it could be during our day. Jesus may tarry for another 300 years. We don't know, but I do see the reality of these things. Verse 2, for men, mankind, will be lovers of themselves. They're going to be very prideful and they're going to be very self-centered. They'll be lovers of money. They'll be willing to... To, to walk over somebody else for their financial betterment. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. They'll look very holy, but denying its power. Where's the power? The power is in the word. We saw that earlier. And from such people, Paul says, turn away. Stop, turn around, and go the other way. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. Doesn't sound like a woman's a very good thing here. Well, what he's talking about is back in those days, a woman would be, they would be in the home all day long. A woman, a lot of times in a lot of those cultures, was not allowed to be educated. And so even for their desires for education, for fellowship, they'd be open to, to well, the teaching of these false teachers. And so these days these days are upon us. Now, you can take women out of the equation and whoever is gullible. Why gullible? Because they don't know the truth. And so they, they look very good, these false teachers. Maybe they even sound good, but as far as what they have to offer, it brings forth destruction within the body of Christ. And in denying the Lord, they have denied their own way to salvation. I was getting ready, I think it was for a Thursday night service. My daughter, Chelsea, wasn't married. She was still living in our home. And I remember hearing the doorbell ring, but I was a little bit late. And so I was doing what I was doing. And then all of a sudden I heard her and say, Dad, you need to come here. And I came and there was two guys there with white shirts and ties on, had their bikes parked out in front of the house. These are people who teach another Jesus. These are people who teach that more revelation has come and is necessary in order for us to uh, understand God. But the problem in their new re revelation in Mor the Book of Mormon and the Pearl of Great Price and can't remember the other one, but it's contrary to the Bible. And now, and, and you know what? I look at those two guys that are there. Now they're bringing a false message, so I understand that but with sincerity of heart, because they have been deceived, they're delivering it. We have to understand that. And so I want to minister to them. I don't want to argue with them. I don't want to destroy them. I want to minister the love of Christ with them. And so if you have that opportunity, you find a point. You find a point that you're well-versed on, and you come to an understanding of the cults, and you know what they believe to a degree. I'm not going to be a theologian in Mormon theology or Mormon heresy, but still, 
I understood where they believed that they got their faith from and, and it just basically where they're coming from. And so we, we're talking a little bit, and I noticed they're kind of talking Christianese. They don't have a clue who I am. And, and, and just think, don't think of me as a pastor here. Just think of me as a Christian who knows the Word of God. And, and so they're, they're talking about these things. And, yeah, and then finally I told them, yeah, but we got this one difference that makes all the difference. You guys believe that you received divine revelation and have added to the word of God. Your leaders are called prophets because they're still receiving prophecies, but unfortunately prophecies that differ or are needed for clarification, you say, to the Bible. And they kind of went, and then they started, well, yeah, but, you know, our God still speaks. Can't God still speak? Well, I mean, the answer to that question is yes. Can't God still give revelation? The answer to that question is no. He can give revelation. I say can. When I say can, he will give revelation, but he won't give revelation that contradicts the word of God that has given has been given. And my favorite verse was, Beloved, this is Jude. There's only one chapter. Verses 3 and 4. Beloved, he's writing to Christians. While I was diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of God into lewdness and deny the only God and our Lord Jesus Christ. But he says, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And I hammered that point with them. This can't be revelation from God. Because if you believe, and they said they did, that the Bible is the word of God, well, it's been delivered one time when Christ came for everybody. There's no new revelation necessary. If anybody brings new revelation, it's not of God. If you get nothing out of this study, get that. If somebody is bringing something new, it's not true. If something's not true, it's probably something new. And so they, they just can't argue against that. And finally they said, okay, well, we'll have to find more stuff out. We'll come back next week. I'm still waiting. <laughs> Those of the flesh just simply cannot please God. Next, a false teacher. A false teacher is sensual. Verse 2. And many shall follow their destructive ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Destructive, it means looseness. They're very loose with the truth. And anything that detracts from the truth is going to be destructive. Destructive for the point of building faith. What these false teachers, and really this is an earmark of all false teachers, they want to feed their lusts by religion. Notice all false teachers, for the most part, their ministry will fall under one of three categories. Power, riches, or sexual immorality. And again, you see this time after time after time after time. Somebody receiving power over a group of people, and usually it's multiple things. It's kind of funny how somebody comes up with something new, or you get this man who's a prophet or whatever, and he's lining his pockets with the with the offerings of the people. They're deceived. You turn on the TV, and what is it that their focal point is on when you turn on that channel? Again, for the ones that are exhibiting false teachings, they're always asking you for money. If money is the center of that ministry, you need to go find another ministry. We preach Jesus Christ in him crucified, not God in him broke. Where God guides, God provides. There's no doubt about that. There's going to be times when we pray for the provision of God and so on and so forth. But if somebody's taking multiple offerings, if somebody has a vision that there's somebody here with $1,000 and God wants that $1,000 and you need to step up, you know, when you have stuff like that. I, I've heard of churches that they bring the offering and they lay it out on, on the altar before all of the people. And again, you just bring these things to ridiculousness so that it becomes idolatry in the sight of God. And yeah, finances are necessary. We have to pay rent. The lights are on today. And the reason is because we were able to pay our electric bill and so on and so forth. 
But when it, you're basing people's spirituality upon giving or money, then something is obscure without a doubt. Jeremiah 23, verse 14, For I have seen also in the prophets of Jerusalem a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen also the hands of evildoers, that none doth return from his wickedness. They are all of them unto me as Sodom and the inhabitants thereof of Gomorrah. The next feeds off the last, and it's greed. Verse 3, by covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. They would say whatever is necessary in order to get more. The Greek word used for deceptive is plastos. That's where we get our word for plastic. It speaks of that which is moldable, twistable, untrue, and constantly changing. When plastics were first made, one of the big things about it is it could be molded, it could be changed. You know, you have, a, you have a desk. Wow, what kind of wood is that? It's not wood, it's plastic. You know, we, we, th- th- this is real wood here, and there's just a beauty as far as real wood, but plastic imitates that, and you're not really able to tell unless you closely examine it, getting it close. Well, these are deceptive people. They've taken a group of people, and they just changed the word of God just a little bit, such as the devil, he, changed, he, he directed Eve just a little bit, and it led to destruction. If plastic words won't work, they'll use flattering speech as well. Look over in this same chapter over at verse 18. Hold on, I'm still in Second Timothy here. Verse 18, for when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. What they do as well is they cater to the flesh. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 5, it says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Haven't we arrived at that today in this nation What is the worst thing you could do if you were third party kind of examining this nation? Well, the worst thing is it's got to be those Christian churches. You know, somebody who doesn't know anything, somebody who's just kind of dropped off and landed in the United States of America. Those Christian people, look how they're shunned. Look how they're undesired. There must be something really wrong. No, we just have arrived at the time where they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires or their own lusts, because they have itching ears, because they want to be entertained, they will heap up for themselves teachers. I like how that reads, heap up. They'll they'll, they'll just keep piling them up. When one is worn out, they'll go and they'll find another. And we see people that go from churches to churches to churches trying to find somebody who's going to tickle their ears once again. They will heap up for themselves teachers and turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables, to stories, whatever it might be. But you, and Paul once again gets in Timothy's face, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, because if he preaches the word, there's going to be afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And so some of the pastors that have fallen, have been removed or whatever, but he was just such a great guy. Well, he wasn't that great of a guy because he got removed. I mean, it was, it's a tragedy without a doubt. There was a Calvary Chapel pastor a few years ago. How could somebody like that be removed? Because he was involved in these things. He should have been removed actually years before he was. But the reason that they're not, because a church starts to grow unnaturally based upon a personality. You need that personality to continue the unnatural church. And as it's based upon the foundation of a man's personality, a man's ability, that's never a good thing. The word of God needs to be based upon, I'm sorry, the church of God needs to be based upon the word of God. What did Jesus say? Upon this rock, upon this foundation, I will build my church. He wasn't talking about Peter. He was talking about himself. So, men... Men will die or be removed, but the word endures. Experiences fade, but the word of God will continue because it's ordained by God. Times will become more and more evil, but the word of God is going to stay consistent. Let no one deceive you by changing that which has been delivered once and all for the saints. 
God has given us this word that we would mature and that we would grow in it and we would understand those who are of the Lord and those who are not of the Lord. I'll close with this last verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. I'm sorry, 2 through 5. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves or dedicating ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of God, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservant for Jesus' sake. The true teaching of the word of God is always about people coming to know Jesus Christ and then to live a life that reflects Jesus Christ. Lord, your word, your word is truly enough, but Father, our society has rejected your word and looked for other philosophies and other ways. But God, I pray as much as depends upon us that we would continue steadfastly, Lord, just seeking you out. Lord, just books that we've studied before, opening them again and studying them once more because, God, these truths are so, there's just such depth and there's just such richness. And, Father, I pray that we would embrace these things. And, Father, I pray that they would become part of the makeup of who we are. Lord, there's just so many things in which people have become caught up in. Even things of the, of the Word, Lord. And I, I just pray for those who unnaturally, or at least unproportionately, will call things meat, will get caught up in end times and end times only who will get caught up in secret codes, will get caught up in conspiracies and all of these things to the detriment of, Lord, just by grace we have been saved through faith. And so, Father, end times are important. We need to point out, Lord, just some of the deceptive things that are out there. There's no doubt about that. As far as secret codes, we're told in the Bible, the secret things are the Lord's, but his word has been revealed to us for a lifetime of study. And so, Father, I pray that we would be excited about the basics of our salvation and that we would grow. And, Lord, true growth is seen by how we reflect Jesus Christ to this world. And so, Lord, enable us in your purposes once more. We pray these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you all stand, please? A couple of things. You've seen it in the bulletin. We are having our teacher training next Saturday. If you are a teacher, we require that you be there. If you've wondered about teaching, you want to know what it's about, you're invited to come as well. Tonight, we're going to continue on in our teaching in Second Chronicles. We have about two or three more weeks. Prob- well, that's not two more weeks. Probably about it's false teaching. Probably about <laughs> six more weeks, and then we will have taught through every book of the Bible, which is a really good thing. Keep me up in prayer. I have been invited to do the invocation at the City of Ontario uh, Airport Board. I'm not even sure exactly what it is. I assume they govern the airport here, but it just kind of came out of the blue. And it's just an opportunity to, even as we had the feeding last week, to move into our city and have influence within the city. So keep that up in prayer. There'll be a couple up here for prayer as well. God bless you guys.
God bless you guys. Have a wonderful afternoon. There is prayer up front.